Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combating modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. Okay. Oh. oh, well, if we so, want to sw- switch our topic, we're more than welcome to do that. <laughs> We've already been talking for 20 minutes about really great stuff. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is why we started this because mm-hmm. I'm talking about life. But you had an interesting experience over the holidays, Chrissy, that made you want to talk about today's topic. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I felt, especially when like people know that you're a medical provider and especially a physical therapist, like, and you're in a group setting and they're like, Oh, my back hurts and my shoulder hurts and my knee hurts. Like, what should I do? And they've done physical therapy. They've done chiropractor. They've done injections. They've done medication and they just, they've done surgery and I still feel terrible. And so the two things that I usually, especially when I'm trying to establish boundaries, is, well, one, find another physical therapist or medical provider to see what else they have to say. It's, it's kind of like the idea of um, when you, um, if you have a bad haircut, like you're not going to go to the same stylist, you're going to go to another one, right? Not, you're, you're never not going to get your haircut again, right? So same thing there, if you're not finding what you're needing, then keep looking. And then the other one too is, well, I look at pain a lot more differently than most physical therapists and medical providers. And so if the fact that you've done exercise um, and potentially some lifestyle changes and nothing's helping, then we need to look at more possibilities. And once I start getting that conversation, it's just like shut down. It's like, I, that, that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Um, 
So I really wanted to talk about that today and unpack it with you two as well to kind of see like what you have experienced with other people or experience that same situation or anything like that. Yeah, I, I did actually, now that you mention it, um, of, you know, at, a, at a family gathering and someone came up and having trouble with back pain. And I actually um, laid out some solutions. So for instance, one of the things that I am really catching on to is congestion around the liver creating back pain mm-hmm. it, it you know for years like decades we'll be treating somebody primary diagnosis low back pain and one leg is swollen and oftentimes it's the right leg and i'm like why is this pattern here no one has ever explained it to me. and um and then learning visceral and lymphatic and then Ayurveda, and Ayurveda is like really brought to my attention how fatty, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is at epidemic levels in the United States. And that is there primarily because of lifestyle, like how we're, how we're not living in a, a regulated, scheduled way. We're eating stuff that people didn't even have and reading food that didn't exist. 50 years ago and not even questioning it. And then uh, wondering it. So the, the liver gets affected. The congestion in that liver then creates pressure in the body. And that reflects his back pain that I think that's very common. So I, you know, explain this to the person and they really didn't like the solution, you know, (laughs) which is, change your lifestyle and your eating and you're going to feel a lot better. Is there something else I can do? (laughs) (laughs) I know. And I, and it, it's, it seems so daunting. And I think unfortunately we live in such a world of that all or nothing mentality that um, people are like, Oh, well, if I can't do all of it, then I'm just not going to do it because um, it's usually the the lifestyle choice, you know, things that we talk about is like improve your sleep, reduce your stress or have better stress coping mechanisms. Then it's change your diet, exercise 150 minutes a week, you know, um, all that stuff, have better relationships, go to therapy, go to, you know, all those things, do body work, all that stuff. And everyone's like, I don't even have time to go to the bathroom. So, um, you know, and so, and we have to think of like this huge, like to do when in reality we can do like small little things to add up to big things. Um, but yeah, I, I think people, unfortunately, they want us to be like cars where we just change this out and, or add oil or whatever, and then we're good to go. Um, and unfortunately it's more complicated than that. Yeah. And, you know, so now I'm in the next phase of, of learning to help people apply the Ayurvedic principles. And uh, it's a hard year (laughs) because uh, uh, changing habits, for some people it's, it's very easy, but those are rare individuals (laughs) for my own self, the process has brought up um, 
my own anxieties or addictive Mm -hmm. tendencies. Um, And, you know, I, I laugh at myself looking back at a year of my provider, my Ayurvedic provider saying, you need to change this. You need to change this. And in my head going, uh, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And so now I'm in the role of walking or walking along with people and saying, you know, you might want to change this and finding out how to say you might want to change this in a way that doesn't set off their anxieties and addictive behaviors. True. So I don't true. have down yet. It's so true. <laughs> I mean, even I'm going through it too with Jessica, both my partner and I, and it is, I, I can totally relate to that. Like, I think that I'm, you know, oh, I'm so motivated. Like, I'm going to really dive in. And I feel like I have, but I have been also very surprised at my own resistances. And then watching, like, my partner and his resistances. And then, like, the, like you said, the addiction. There's something about, we like, um, the addictions, like you're saying, to yeah. even just certain habits um, and then that also brings up some like shadow dynamics that I have going on, like within myself or within my relationships. And I don't know, it becomes this whole thing that I'm just glad that I have like Jessica to as like, I've been doing it for maybe six months now as like a long-term guide. And I'm mm-hmm. also doing, you know, working with a therapist and also, you know, doing myself work, but, and <laughs> also to, what you're saying, like how you tell people to change, there is so much, like, if you just tell somebody like, oh, maybe you should think about, you know, cutting out uh, coffee. <laughs> you're gonna like, I don't know, people are just gonna be like, nope. And then maybe drop out because it's just, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. We're so attached. I mean, I'm so attached to certain things too. Well, and I think it's we as a culture, which is really uh it's just put me at a full stop of what have we created in in our culture so um i recently heard a story about um uh transporting hazardous waste across u.s roads if you look at what the ph is allowed it, it used to be like 2.5 to, I don't know, 11 or something like that. But um, Coca-Cola um, lobbied to have that changed to two because Coca-Cola is less, their, their pH is um, between the two and 2.5. So if they didn't change it, they would have to ship Coca-Cola or in soda pops as a as a toxic uh, substance. Wow! So they lobbied and got it changed. Mm. So we're going to now put that in our bodies. <laughs> you know, not saying you know it's a pH that's uh, not not meant for regular human consumption, I guess. But we're going to eat it, and I think that this is like. What has happened to food and lifestyle in America is turning it into profit centers and um, 
not looking at what's best for the human. And we don't even know how deep this is going into our culture. And we're all living under this influence of things that we think are normal. And instead, they're, they're eroding our health as a group. And to, to step away from this, um, you're going to look like a salmon going upstream at some point. Yeah. And we can even like, if we, we could even like go up even further. So I think like right now we're talking really specific. And if we even like think about our 35,000 foot view, what we're really talking about is our belief systems and how, what we define ourselves as us. And anytime that we are challenged with something new, we really then just like Shona was saying, we have to think about our shadow sides. We, I, I know I have in a couple instances in the past month, like being in situations that have triggered me and I can feel my old habits of, of safety and, um, and hibernation or come up or poor coping habits or something like that because of those situations that it really comes down to that belief system. And, and Shona, you were saying yesterday when we were texting each other, like how interesting it is for people to get information. And if it does go against their belief system, whether it's morally there or even neutral, like it doesn't have to have a morality complex to it at all. Yeah that people still have difficulty with accepting that there's alternatives to the view. And I'm not saying that we have to all have the same views because that would, we would, the world wouldn't function. I think actually if we all had the same views hundred percent of the time, um, it's just really interesting how if you're, if you are having that pushback of because it's affecting your belief system, then we need to look deeper and like think about our past and our traumatic experiences and our addiction patterns and all of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So even we can yeah. look at even a higher view of what we're talking about too. Yeah. That's a very good um, c- clarification of it does boil down to what we believe. And, you know, if we go back to pain, there's been this, um, driving message of there's a pill for that. Even if you don't agree with it, the message is out there and um, we hear it regularly and it gives it a lot of power uh, as to this is the best, this is the strongest thing you can do. And I know as a physical therapist always seemed like, you know, the top of the heap is surgery, right? Like, oh, you got to go see the surgeon. If, if we can't help you, you have to go see the surgeon. That's where the answer lies. That's the, the most powerful thing you can do. And um, it's not the most powerful thing you can do. And I even, talk, and when I was like talking about this in our text thread, you know, we can't deny that the musculoskeletal system is part of it, right? You know, I think sometimes, especially in our, in our specific line of work, we, I know I've struggled with this at one point too, of like going too far broad and not going back to my roots as a physical Mm -hmm. therapist. Um, Because there always is a musculoskeletal component that we can work on. Um, We all can benefit from that. So Mm -hmm. it's like being able to 
stay in that realm and also have an expansive mind on on other causes that can contribute to that musculoskeletal change. Um, because the surgery and the medicine and the injection may be helpful for some people. We're definitely not saying like no one can ever use it. Uh, I just think always like always kind of comes back to Sarah, your, your idea of if you have a pill, you need a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and that plan is so much more all encompassing than just that one little component. There's a place for the pill and the surgeries. Yeah. 100%. They, they provide you an opportunity to change the things you can, you need to change in order to not have this be an ongoing problem. Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the reason why the knee needed to be replaced is still going to be there after the knee is replaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there comes a time where you need the surgery so that because you, it's too far gone. Mm-hmm. And then you get the surgery and then you address the you know, the pelvic alignment and the core instability and, and all those things. The, the hip stiffness. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, like Sarah, I think you had, I don't know if this patient was around very much, but she was having hip pain. And I think they even at one point decided to do a, a hip replacement. And this person was young. And then you saw the x-ray and you're like, well, look how much poop is backed up in your colon. <laughs> like, and, you know, no one thought to be like, oh, it could be hip degeneration because of genetics and because you have constipation, severe constipation. Um, mm-hmm. It like both can be true and we can both live a better life if we address all of it. Um, and, and, and it just it's still like trying to talk to people about it who aren't doing the work like we are doing both professionally and personally it's hard having those conversations. I get, I get really defensive sometimes. I'm like, why aren't you doing this work? Like everyone shouldn't be knowing about it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone has their own journey and path and you just have to have compassion and grace for that journey. Well, and we're trying to make a journey in a atmosphere that is highly clouded by messaging Mm -hmm. about what's normal. What, you know, what we're living as a culture isn't normal. Mm-hmm. Well, normal is a setting on the dryer, right? But <laughs> it's not It's not what humans have lived. Mm-hmm. It's a, we're, you know, what we're living in the last 50 to 100 years is v- compared to how long humans have existed. It's mm-hmm. very different. And the other, okay, so there's another thing here. We're looking for the answer. Give me the one thing that's going to make me feel better. So, you know, we can say pills and surgery, but there's also like gadgets and doodahs and and also, oh, I know this therapist that's so good. She's going to solve your problem. Or there's this technique, right? Um, A lot of us like me, pursue all these manual therapies because this is going to be the thing that's going to make me the therapist that's going to fix all the problems. I'm going to save you Um, with this technique (laughs) and this approach. And uh, that's, that's equally untrue. Um, I think about that in terms of like, like you're saying, like there's these techniques or these gadgets that if anything or anybody says like, this is it, like Mm -hmm. those other things are not it. 
like come join us over here because this is what's going to save you. I like run the other direction mm-hmm. <laughs> or I'm like, or I'm like, no, like I'll go to your class and like, you know, it's a wonderful technique, but like, I'm not going to buy into that um, savior belief system because that's never the truth. Mm-hmm. So, and you, you can use any technique to not change. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I was thinking about um, like um, using breath techniques and one popular breath technique right now is what four, seven, eight breathing. And suddenly you read it everywhere. Everybody's saying, Oh, try this four, seven, eight breathing inhale, four, hold seven, exhale, eight. Like this is going to be the thing. And it's, and it's probably not necessarily the four, seven, eight part. It's just the fact that, you're taking time to breathe and be reflective and mindful of your breath. That is probably truly what is the improvement that you're seeing. Not ne- maybe not necessarily the specific four, seven, eight. Yeah. It's like the focus on that one thing, which you can then translate into other things in your life, like mm-hmm. mindfully eating this bite of food because um, you're present with it and breathing with it. Well, I also think it's a classic example of of ego and belief system because I'm going to think about the breathing and I'm going to insert a pattern on it that I think is good for it, right? Instead of in in yoga, the first thing is the unconditioned breath. Can you look at breath and do nothing to it? I noticed when I did the four, seven, eight, or when I count, when I breathe, I'm very methodical and like has to be on the beat. <laughs> and then I just had to laugh at myself because I'm like, oh, look at my ego taking over here. It has to be like even and on the beat and like exact. Yeah. And then it's hard for me to shift to the tempo or like not count. <laughs> and so I feel like for me, that was my practice. It wasn't actually the four, seven, eight. It was like noticing like what's coming up for me in the moment of doing that practice. So. Thank, thank you. And so, so when I'm talking about pain, we can, that I think that one of the key differences in how we want to work with people is help them to just listen to the body mm-hmm. instead of putting your new belief system on top of this mm-hmm. thing that, yeah. that, you know, pain is your, is a, a voice crying for help. And we just keep putting things on top of it to get it to shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, whether I'm going to count, whether I'm going to give it a pill or a, I'm going to massage it or heat it or surgerize it or whatever. But when I can just be present with what I'm feeling, oftentimes pain goes down. Yes. And I think in being aware of those triggers, um, I, I because of the where I am in my life, I and I have a partner who I'm able to talk to and understand the same language that we're talking about. Like, I have noticed that when I don't sleep very well, or I'm not pooping very well, or I'm having more headaches, is when my ego takes over. Um, <laughs> and because um, I'm trying to control the situation, because I'm going back into my quote unquote 
I don't want to say bad habits, but more of um, uh, skills that I learned at a younger age that kept me alive, right? Um, those skills aren't helping anymore because I'm in a different part of my life. So I really have to be mindful of it. Um, and that's really, really hard. Um, I don't think people have the language that we're talking about right now. Like, you know, I talk to people about that and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Um, that's like stuff that, that doesn't even in my book, my, in my vocabulary. Right. Yeah. Um, so that is really hard too, with that concept that we're talking about yeah. here. I, I call it the default setting. <laughs> if I, if I am not aware, I will just go to my default, which is what you're describing. And it's hard because you call yourself out, right? Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, my ego is setting is is running everything right now, or my triggered past or my subconscious is is overpowering right now, and we don't want to admit that. You know, that means that we're not in control of our life, like as much as we thought we were. And it doesn't feel good to say those words like, oh yeah, I'm not in control of my life right now because I'm allowing all these other things to, to take precedent. I guess that's what a lot of like the practices do is to, we're all in this default setting and these practices like the four, seven, eight breathing, it, it gives you like pause. It gives you like space to like step off the train and be like, wait, (laughs) like, where am I going? do I want to go that way again? Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'll choose a different path and then, choosing that different path is really hard because then you have to like build new, literally like new neurons and uh, in your brain mm. to do something differently. Um, and that's just really challenging. Yeah. And I think, sci- and I love that how you're like, you're taking a, a physiological aspect of like, we are trying to change our neurons, which affects all the things that are functioning in our body and our brain. And I think, why sometimes maybe people don't necessarily understand or grasp everything is also because we don't have science yet to make this metaphysical component that we're talking about into objective data and people, you know, like objective data. um, And we just don't have technology and we might never have technology that will be able to quantify what we're talking about. Yeah. There's a, some, like they have the some data on like what my project in my last year of PT school was on the neuroscience of meditation. And mm-hmm. it was cool how they could map the default network. I can't, I'm not going to remember, but it was like, it goes from this part of your brain to this part of your brain to this part of your brain. And then they, when they mapped with people meditating, it was a completely different um, mm-hmm. pathway in the brain. Um, then it had, you know, it re- I remember it had a reduced amygdala response, um, reduced like um, emotional reactivity, I guess. Um, and in the, I don't remember the details, but, and then they, they could see that people who meditated, who had more experience with it could switch back and forth between the pathways much more easily. And then also maintain the mindful pathway for longer. Um, and then without the practice, people who didn't practice meditation had trouble even switching to the mindful pathway at all, or even holding it for very long. Um, so that was just like really cool to see the science or the, the images that we've had scientifically. Um, but, and then there is so much more that we can't 
that we haven't really mapped yet. Yeah, I'm always fascinated when we can see the overlap with science. Oh, yeah, that was one question that had come up too, is it's like, well, what, like, what are the common belief systems of pain? Mm -hmm. I asked my partner that yesterday, I was like, because I'm in my own belief systems of pain and what we've learned through body work and the work Mm. we've done but then I forget like what do people really believe like for or what are the most common ones and um my partner said like he thinks that people just believe they can't change their pain like they're just this is their body and these are their their restrictions and like that's it um they don't have the power within themselves to change it and maybe that's where like you know the pill comes in or the surgery comes in um because like something else can change it for them maybe. So I guess I, that was a good reminder of like, oh yeah, like I have, I have a very strong belief that I can change my pain. Um, I have to remember that that's just my belief system. Or pain is dangerous. Yep. That was, I was that mm. dangerous or bad or. Well, it always goes back to the pain of childbirth and mm. I find it interesting how, like, that's where I really get gummed up because they say women shouldn't have to experience the pain of childbirth. So we have all these pain measures in childbirth to to stop it. Um, and even, like, I, I noticed um, in recent years, we, we even make fun of people. Um, in pain in childbirth, you know, like choosing to do that <laughs> and um, uh, choosing to go through the pain of childbirth. They kind of mock that. Yeah. They're like, you're crazy. Why would you do that? Like your right. epidural is right here. Or yeah. even in the hospital, they're like, well, the nurse, they give you this complex of like, well, you're making our lives more difficult to have to like deal with you in this pain. Like, why don't you just let us do our jobs and give you the pain meds. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's touching another, another thing of it makes other people uncomfortable, right? We've talked to like, this has like come up so many times in different aspects of like my pain could be uncomfortable to other people. So then I can't talk about it or I can't address it. um, Or because we've been taught that, or subconsciously been taught that um, um, that I make other people uncomfortable. So then I have to do what they say in order for them to be comfortable. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So my, my pain is a burden to others. Oh, yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Good list. Yeah. When you're in childbirth, it's like you don't you don't even have the time to deal with that. So I feel like it's just so easy to give in to somebody telling you you're a burden and then you're like, okay, well, I don't want to be a burden. So just, I don't know. It's like, especially in childbirth, you want, I wanted people to support me in my process. And then, but then we'll create situations of pain to overcome. And you see that in uh, um, like ultra events ultra you like see ultra marathons some in crossfit right like yep. the endurance mm-hmm. stuff in crossfit yep. um the, the body body. tough mutters 
you know, mm-hmm. like here, crawl mm-hmm. in the mud under these electrified wires, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and you might get a jolt. Oh, oh my gosh. If it, oh, this, sorry, I'm like kind of dominating this conversation. I'm just like all these like awesome things are in my brain. Um, there is this new or this podcast of what Kurt and I have like fell in love with, and it's by a guy named Pete Holmes, which is like a comedian and an actor. And it's called We Made It Weird. <laughs> and he's like, well, I really love spicy things because spicy Pete is feeling something. And I need to feel something every once in a while because I'm so numb in the world that <laughs> I like spicy Pete every once in a while. And that's kind of like with the ultra marathon that you're like talking about of like, or the electric shock. Like, I need to feel something because I am dead inside. <laughs> um <laughs> which is but also that's a lot of us like a lot of us are kind of in that space yeah I don't I want to feel pain when I want to feel it (laughs) we become so numb to sensation that we need sorry go ahead Sarah no I said I I want to feel pain when I want to feel it any other time (laughs) it's bad and make make it stop (laughs) yeah so true Wait, so what What would you say that belief system is in there? Well, there's a entitlement. It's part of the entitlement thing. I need to be in control of what I feel. Mm. Uh, um, mm. I, and it, I don't know if I've mentioned this book before. There's a Paul Brand, The Pain, The Gift Nobody Wants. And he was a, a, or a hand surgeon. His parents were missionaries to India uh, way back. And his, um, he became, a, he's was, uh, grew up in India under British rule. He trained in Britain as a hand surgeon. Then he went back and he worked in India on, um, you know, with people with Hansen's disease, which is leprosy. And he also worked in the United States at, with that. And, um, you know, his book is about how with leprosy, you lose the ability to feel pain. And that's, and so this, the flesh rots away because people will, will burn themselves and not know it. There's no pain to message it. They'll walk with, till the blisters are down, are bleeding because they don't feel pain. And he talks about the elegance of the system to feel pain. And then he, you know, he talks about being an Indian, that they're much more accepting of, at least at that time, that this is what life has given us to, to work with and more mm-hmm. accepting of their, their circumstances and working within their circumstance. Whereas in the U.S. we're like, well, I don't deserve to feel this way. I, mm-hmm. I sh- you know, it's unfair that I have to have this problem. And, and so this thinking creates more pain. Mm-hmm. I often tell my patients, if we can just get you to um, be at peace with what you're feeling in your body right now, even though you're going to feel pain, your pain's going to go down by half because we're creating a lot of tension, believing that I shouldn't feel this pain or uh, what it's dangerous for me to feel this pain. Um, I think it's been helpful for me to like think of that concept and 
terms of um, looking at your pain and maybe cre- creating your pain as some sort of avatar in your body. Like hmm. uh, I think a lot of the somato emotional release practices we've learned is like, okay, give it a shape, a color, or maybe it's this little gremlin inside of you or whatever comes up for you. And that way you can, you can say, Hey, pain, look at it. Maybe listen to what, what it has to say. Um, and instead of, and then just sort of see what happens if you do say things like, Oh, I hate you pain, like, or I don't want to have this pain here. And of course that like pain being is going to cry louder. Um, because it's not going to feel heard. So for me, just having that like, uh, image, um, has been helpful to say, no, like I'm going to shift my mindset of like, cause I, I tend to get frustrated at my pain of like, ugh, like, why are you here? Mm. Um, and then it'll cry louder. <laughs> like, you're not listening to me. <laughs> and then I'll be like, okay, like I'm here. And maybe just breathe with it or be like, what do you have to say? And um, maybe it'll scream and tell me what it has to say. But then it like calms down a second for a little bit. Um, So I don't know. Having like an abstract concept like that, I think is what's helpful for me and some people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at that point too, like we, um, we're not discounting people who have chronic pain, you know, we're not discounting their experiences of like what they're experiencing. Like there are people where it can be so debilitating that they're doing the best they can with what they have. Um, I, I, I just think we're really focusing and emphasizing that we can not necessarily control it, which we can in some, but we're just guiding it maybe more. Um, We can guide it more with, with, the techniques that we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, there's situations of pain where I'm just like, uh, I have deep respect for, yeah, that's going to be painful. Um, Mm -hmm. And that like um, getting electrocuted that I've, I've worked with people who've been electrocuted. That is, you know, like fry your nervous system. That is lingering pain or the other one, Tarloff cysts, which are weaknesses in the dura that create out pouchings. Those are just mm. painful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Period. Um, and, you know, but whatever it is that people have to live with, you know, it doesn't help them for me to feel sorry for them. It's like, I'm here to help you stand in this fire and burn Mm -hmm. and, and be okay with it. And that's maybe an element that's missing from our society that need to control pain. I don't, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have to feel this way. I get to say when I'm in pain, I get to say what causes the pain. Yeah. The need to control it. Yeah. I feel like I relate to that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause it's frustrating when pain, when you feel like pain is controlling your life. Mm-hmm. This uh, and this idea of it's fair or it's not fair, um, right? I remember a conversation with a, another therapist friend of mine. That was she still works at the clinic. Life is fair was very hard to accept, and and when we get over thinking it's unfair, 
then we can get to work because we waste a lot of energy thinking thinking it should be different and it's like well maybe life is unfair but like what is what is that where is that mindset gonna is that mindset really serving you so not really I mean maybe it is in some ways but I don't know I guess that's where you have the choice to then be like no I'm not gonna really believe that anymore yeah and then and then the longer you live and you get to you acquire more observations of of really awful things that happen to people um and you can get very heavy-hearted that's funny that all happened at once my partner is texting me about how my baby is crying because his hands are cold. <laughs> so <laughs> talking about pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which Actually. is, you know, <laughs> yeah. So, which is a great, a, a great, what case study, I guess, of, you know, one-year-olds do have some, not maybe like true critical thinking skills, but they are aware. Right. Yeah. And, but they're so young that they probably haven't necessarily created poor coping habits around their pain. So it's like a true like fight or flight situation in that point. Yeah. I was just saying, Sarah, that um, it's funny that all happened at the same time. It's like, oh, and my partner's texting me that Gordy, my baby or 15 month old is, uh, is really upset because they went for a walk and his hands were really cold. They get really cold and then, you just watch it sort of happen. He just starts freaking out and crying and he probably doesn't really know what's happening. He just feels pain sensation in his body. And then his, and then we get his hands to warm up and then it's like on to the next thing. Like nothing <laughs> even happened. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely fascinating to watch him all the thing fall down, you know, hurt himself a little bumps here and there. And then, cry like cry it out totally like <laughs> just freak out and then we just breathe I think we do a lot of co-regulation with him just like oh and also like acknowledging like oh my gosh that must have hurt that hurts and that you know but then let's breathe and like not just not um uh, what's the word uh not not acknowledge and be like it's okay you know like nothing happened. It's like, no, that happened. And that hurt. And you're feeling frustrated about it. Or you're feeling upset about it. And now like, okay, and now let's breathe. And then like, I don't know. And then it's like snap of the fingers, boom, like, on to the next thing. Uh, It's really fascinating. And I always think to myself, like, man, that's so admirable. I just when something when I'm get upset, or I hurt myself, or like, I'm not, I just, want to be able to completely bring like feel the emotion blah have, like, and, and then move on and be like not hold on to any of it and just be like okay <laughs> but I think part of the problem is we don't express our feelings fully and then we like end up holding on to it for a while and then it just festers in there and then becomes a physical issue and then you know, so I don't know, maybe we're just, I'm just trying to get back to that sort of childlike way of being with pain. I think we have a lot to learn from them. Yes. It's a, a great way to handle pain, but we don't, we 
it's not culturally acceptable. <laughs> yeah, because it, it burdens other people, right? You know, people aren't comfortable with yeah. you showing that emotion or giving space for your nervous system to try and co-regulate. And maybe it looks different for other people. So, and that's differentiating that idea of fair, unfair with go, you can feel what you're feeling. Yeah. It's okay to feel. It's okay yeah. to express yourself. Maybe there's limits like you don't want to hurt other people or hurt yourself more, whatever, yeah. but like you can feel your emotion and your emotions, I think, want to be heard. I don't mind continuing this topic. It's a, it's a good one. And the idea of pediatric pain actually mm. is a good one. Be- how mm. we let our children f- feel pain or like how we let them, what we do when our children are having pain. Uh, I, I know I brushed it aside. How much, you know, how do we teach children to handle pain? What, and how do we, you know, what pains need to be responded to and what pain needs to be, can be ignored or brushed aside. And, uh, you know, like in sports, we do that. Yeah, it, it just comes back to, I mean, and then we can get into like how, I mean, we all had uh, caretakers who responded to our pain as a child, which shaped the way we now respond to pain. And how can we maybe, I'm trying to like, I don't know, break some cycles. Maybe I'm still, in, I catch myself, you know, being uncomfortable with Gordy's pain and mm-hmm. uh, wanting to be like, you're okay, you're okay. You know, like, mm-hmm. brush it off. Yeah. Like I'm uncomfortable because this is stressful and I have to drop everything I'm doing until like, it's like, I am consciously making the effort to not say like, you're okay. Cause I'm like, no, you're not okay. <laughs> like you're telling me you're not okay. And I can be here with you while you're not okay. And, mm-hmm. and then we can breathe and you know, it, it's, it takes a lot of conscious effort, that's for sure. <laughs> and and there's that thing happening for young girls, like with period pain, mm-hmm. and oh, that yeah. we're not working with them on their periods. They're giving birth control to 12-year-olds without having research on that impact, you know, uh, of, of controlling hormones in that fashion. Uh, what is that doing? Before we're teaching fertility awareness and cycle awareness and that, oh, you are, it's okay to feel more tired and more pain, like during certain times of your cycle. And it's like all that stuff seems way more important to me. Than- and I also think, you know, we might've said some things that need to go deeper and the, the, the idea of fairness and, mm. Because we're living in an inequitable system. And I like the term, you know, inequities instead of fairness, right? Like, when I hear people say, like, well, life isn't unfair, like, that that takes away all responsibility of people who uphold power, right? And uphold the systems that we live in. When we talk about inequities, there's more tangible things that we can actually do to change that. Um, it takes a more of a, an active role than a passive role. Yeah. I think when I said it, I'm like, oh, there's a lot to this one. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's yeah, yeah. 
yeah. fairness statement. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, it's, this was fun chatting today. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I appreciate it. All right. You guys take care. You too. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them. And now here we are. If you are interested in more content, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast, where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.